What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. For those of you that are new here, thank you for joining. I am your host, Ethan Bridge. Before I dive into the intro, I'd greatly appreciate if you pulled out your phone, opened up the podcast app and left a five star rating and review. It literally takes a matter of seconds and you don't even have to stop listening. On today's episode of the podcast, you have the pleasure of listening to Don Wetrick. Don is the founder of Start Ed Up, a company that wants to revolutionise the education system. Teachers across the globe are yearning to prepare their students to become innovators and thinkers. There is no future in memorisation. Start Ed Up are creating producers, not just passive consumers. We need innovation. You've heard the complaints too many times. When am I ever going to learn this in the real world? Why are we learning this? When are we going to learn about something interesting? But what if students came to class excited? What if they were passionate about their projects? What if they grasped the connection between today's work and tomorrow's careers? This is what Don and his team are here to do. Don spent 21 years as a high school teacher, teaching a class called Innovation and Open Source Learning at Noblesville High School in Indiana with award-winning work. So he's well equipped when it comes to discussions on the current state of the education system. He's also an educational speaker and the author of the book Pure Genius. Don has been featured by some of the top media publications, including Forbes, and has talked with some of the most influential entrepreneurs of today, such as Gary Vaynerchuk and Seth Godin, on his Start Ed Up podcast. As somebody who has recently finished the education process, this is a topic extremely relevant and close to home for both myself and many of the listeners. I can't wait for you all to hear what Don has to say about the current state of the system and what needs to be changed to have future-ready kids who aren't simply just good test takers. So without any further ado, let's dive straight into the episode. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. I have a great episode in store for you today, and you have the pleasure of listening to Don Wetrick. Hi, Don. How are you doing today? Feeling energized. I'm ready to <laughs> go, go over my CEO journal. Love that, and I can't wait to dive into it. So for the listeners that don't know who you are, did you want to just give us a quick 60-second introduction of who you are and what you do, please? Um, So 21-year teacher turned um, part entrepreneur and then also part uh, CEO of of a foundation that gets more high school students into an entrepreneurial way of being. And that is a nice way of saying we do some programming, we do some events, we do reverse pitch competitions to get our students off their cell phones and engaged into real solutions and ways to communicate and collaborate with one another to get them to get that muscle memory of if I were the CEO, what would I do kind of scenarios. And then lastly, we run the uh, pitch competition for our state that I live in. Um, it is a pitch competition where we're trying to, again, spur economic and, uh, entrepreneurial growth. So sort of the topics that 
are neglected in the school system nowadays? We obviously hear the complaints of when am I ever going to use this in the real world? Why on earth are we learning this? So the sort of topics that students really want to be learning. So if they are entrepreneurs or born entrepreneurs, that they get to flourish these skills that they may have. I mean, I think that like the fact that we're still having this conversation almost pisses me off just because it's to, it's it's to the point that it's rhetorical now. Like, when am I going to use this in real life? And a lot of times, like, well, you just need to do it to get into college. Why do I need to get in college? Well, to get yourself a job. What do I need to learn to get a job? You know, like, the things that we don't teach in school, those things are starting to mount up. The things that we've always done is a Google search away. So, like, why do it? Like, if you're saying, like, oh, you, you, you know, it's like saying to somebody, you still need to go to the post office and make sure you, so, you know, fill out and correctly address a, a mail well you can email now well let's still learn how to send a mail through post why there's so <laughs> many things that like we do and there's just you know certain foundational parts of learning i still agree with but at some point you're gonna say okay now we need to make more time in our school day that instead of yet another year of rote memorization maybe we can have time uh getting to know how to you know I, Fill in your blank, you know, learn how to make money, learn how to retain money, learn how to pay taxes, how to, you know, brand yourself, learn how to start a business, understand like, the list goes on how to code in which language, you know, what jobs of the future are out there. How do we prepare for them? These are the things that we keep talking about that we should do, but we're not. And honest, the list goes on and on and on. You could Absolutely. have gone on forever, but before we rant too much on this, there is a way that I like to start all my episodes and it's to throw it back with my guests and ask them about their time at school. So obviously you were mentioned that you were a teacher of 21 years. So I'm particularly interested to know what you were like as a student. So (laughs) let's focus on a 14 year old version of yourself. How did you find? Well, I mean, I was in this duality of, um, my dad was a teacher, so I had to do pretty well because, you know, the teacher didn't like me excuse didn't fly at my house. And yet at the same time, I was interested in a lot of things other than what they were teaching me, which ironically enough is why, you know, some of the solution to what I was just ranting on was our class we called innovation and open source learning. Um, I watched a Dan Pink TED talk eight years ago, and he was talking about how Google innovated and that they gave them they gave the employees one day a week to learn whatever they wanted to learn. Um, but they had to report back their findings. And that was as a learner, that is what I always wanted as a kid. And as a teacher, I thought this would be a really great class to teach. So literally the class was for the first seven or eight weeks, we learned how to think for ourselves. Uh, we learned what problems are out there that we might have some time to work on. And the things that I don't know how to teach, we open source our learning. So if a kid goes, hey, I want to be able to code uh, an app and, and I want to use Python, I don't do that. But if I have my students meet people that are pr- programmers, whether that be a Zoom call, Skype call, or they can leave school and meet with these people, that is how you open source your learning. So it is the class I always wanted as a kid, but couldn't do, but had the power to introduce as a teacher to where all these things that they ought to teach this stuff in school, the, t- the student tells me, what do you want to learn? Because, hey, I want to learn how to day trade and make money in the stock market. You'd had time to learn those specific skills. For sure. So did you always want to be a teacher yourself? 
No, matter of fact, I tried to rebel against that. So my dad was a teacher. My sister was a teacher. And um, I told myself I didn't want to be, but I think if part of it is a family DNA thing, um, mm. but at the same time, like I always like bringing value to people's lives, bringing impact. And so my first job out of college wasn't in education. And I would just wake up at night realizing I wasn't making a huge difference. And that kind of bugged me. So I found my way to it after three years. My, my first three years out of college, I didn't teach. And then, yeah, I kind of found my way back to it. So you'd say you've always had more of a passion to help others. And I suppose that's quite self-fulfilling in its own respect. Yeah. I mean, I think that also just being raised by a teacher that also got value. Um, you know, I would, I'd be out in public or at the mall. There used to be things called malls. And so my dad would run into former students and the pride of seeing people that had my dad like, Oh, your dad's class. And I got to, and I'm doing this because of your dad. There's a part of me that just, I wanted to be that as well. Yeah. Agreed. And so with your, so you taught a specific class for, I don't know how long it was for, cause I've, I've heard you mention it in other, in other podcasts, but your class that you taught was innovation and open source learning. Yes. Correct. So what was that about? Cause you mentioned that that was the class that you always wanted, but couldn't get. Yeah. So go into a little bit more detail on why you then provided and how this opportunity came about to actually teach this class. Yeah. I mean, literally it's kind of a neat story that it was a single origin in the sense that I got an email you know, years ago now, darn near a decade ago, said, watch this. And it was Daniel Pink's TED Talk. And again, he talked about, you know, what motivated people. Well, mastery, autonomy, and purpose. Mastery in the sense that people want to work on the things and master it. Autonomy is that things that they choose and they have autonomy over and purpose. What I'm working on here means something to me. Well, I looked at my school curriculum and I'm like, mastery, sometimes we work towards autonomy and purpose are not a thing much in school. And so I offered, you know, basically an, a, an opportunity to my students. I'm like, hey, if I had this class and we open sourced our learning, would you want to be a part of it? The opportunity to all those things that you wanted to learn, but you never had time because school got, the scheduling got in your way. This was the destination. And um, yeah, I just kind of launched from there because there was a lot of kids that wanted to learn various odd things that we didn't have in our traditional curriculum. And so um, it launched. It got started. Uh, I quickly learned that people like to tell themselves that they're going to do cool things. The hardest <laughs> part was doing it. I mean, and, and that's just not kids. I mean, like how many times on New Year's Day we say, this is the year I read a book a month. This is the year that I'm going to quit smoking. This is the year that I'm going to lose 20 pounds. It's fun to say that you're going to do it. It's hard to do it. We don't like to say that we'd like to be told what to do, but it's comforting. Me telling students, sit down, shut up, and memorize this. We like to complain about it, but it's easier. You setting goals and wanting to work on things is way harder. For sure. And I like the memorization thing there because that's the thing with the school today. I mean, I only finished, I'm 20 years old. I only finished, we can finish school in England at the age of 18. We don't have to go to university or college. We, I only finished two years ago and it felt as almost you are being taught to take the test. You are memorizing the textbook. And it, it pissed me off. And even prior to that, I was, doing, I was doing business studies as a course. And 
the the class was being taught by a teacher who had never run a business. Yeah, I and guess, isn't it? even know that I, even at the age I was only fifteen at the time, I was sitting in that class thinking, "What, what on earth is this? They are we are being taught to learn the textbook. We aren't being taught the actual concepts that need to be taught." Because if I mean, if the teacher's running, why why would that teacher be teaching the class if they had a successful business? Put it that way, right? And that was my biggest belief. So, and the amount of times I've had to go to my parents and they were like, oh, why, why do you, why do you do this? And I said, like, I wanted to learn about business and I ended up learning the textbook. We are taught to memorize, not to, we are taught to pass the test. We aren't taught the actual principles to action. Yeah. Uh, again, all these things are kind of common sense. Like, like, whoa. That's one of the things I like to do when I go to a school. I'll ask them, like, why are we here? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, why do do students need to go to school to learn? The answer is no. Matter of fact, my son, I dare say, learns more on YouTube. Um, Hmm. He likes learning. Um, And so they're like, well, the most cliche answer is, well, to my least favorite answer by the way is always to like blame the the level of head so if if, like you ask an elementary teacher uh if you ask like why is the school here well to prepare them for middle school or high school or if you ask a high school you know like why are we here or to prepare them for college the ultimate destination is to prepare them for the future and or get them employed and say okay if that's the end destination what are you providing to make sure that you're preparing them for the future I'm like making them memorize things short term is as dead as like it's dead. Uh, so saying, okay, what, what here is, you know, how are you preparing for the future? Are you having discussions about what careers are ahead of us? Or are you always having discussions and making them memorize on what things of the past? And I get that you have to under, you have to have a baseline of education. You have to learn how to read, write, yeah. you know, good communication skills. But like, if that's all day and that's all you do and you're not opening time, up for a thing like an innovation class, then I, I think that it's silly. It's only a study of what was, not what is could be. For sure. And one good thing about school, as you say, is the communication skills. And I don't yes. agree that with if we were going to revolutionize the education system, that it all just needs to become online because then you just completely lose True. that whole collaboration aspect True. of it. Yes. And the human interaction of collaboration is a hundred percent accurate. I, I like I don't think that we should like all of a sudden like we don't need schools. We can learn always online. No, human interaction is always desired and needed. Um, so I totally, totally agree with you on that. And especially when it comes to university as well and that whole campus effect. So if you're doing online university, you don't get that. And you learn a lot. I say you learn a lot from your peers as well. Like, especially I've probably learned more in that I've been doing this podcast for five months now and I learned more in these past five months about business and entrepreneurship than I have the previous 20 years of being alive. It's been incredible. Right. You're open sourcing your learning. Literally. Yeah. I am learning off of some of the top entrepreneurs, which even, and it's only because I've got a platform to do it. It has been the best networking hack starting this podcast. Without this, I would have had no chance in talking to half the people I've spoken to. It's been brilliant. Yeah. Oh, it's funny you say that because that's one of the things that my students figured out that they would use either their own podcast or just the excuse of the class. 
So they'd reach out to people and like, hey, I've got a class where I'm literally expected to reach out and learn from people like you. <laughs> and half the time people are like, what do you mean? What, what kind of class are you talking about? So sometimes just the excuse of an innovation open source learning class had them intrigued. And the thing that I loved about it the most is they would see themselves in my students and they would leverage that intrigue on what the class was to to be able to, to talk to them and meet with them. And same thing, we had a couple of my students that you know, started their own podcast and like, oh my gosh, this is cool. I get to have a conversation with somebody and I get to record it. If somebody listens, that's just a bonus. But like, I get to interview really smart people <laughs> and that's so fun. Yeah. So, so who, who are some of the best people that you've managed to get in front of your class then? Who have you managed to expose your class too? Well, probably the most jaw-dropping moment for them. I thought it was cool, but I just didn't really... Mm-hmm. Uh, was Ninja. Uh, so, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's got a huge following because I said, at your age, you're actually neat. If you're 23 years old and trying to get ahead, you're everybody else. If you're 15, you're like, oh, well, I might want to help a high school kid. And I said, mm-hmm. so point, like I said, you know, let's, let's shoot for the moon. Let, like, let's have somebody that's easier to get to, somewhat hard to get to, and darn near impossible. So the easy to get to was like some YouTuber that they liked and they only had like, 500 subscribers. He was right. We got to that person in 10 minutes. The medium person was like a, a writer for, I think like Forbes. And then they're like, well, if we could get a hold of Ninja. It took us 15 minutes for Ninja to respond back. And he, we ended up video, uh, sending videos back and forth. My kids freaked out because I said, Hey, at Ninja, and I'm not going to lie. Having a little blue check mark on Twitter yeah. helps. But I sent out a request. Like my students are learning to, like how to professionally market themselves you've done a great job with it, get back with us. So that helped. And the second one that was ironically, it was my student's idea, it was getting with Tim Ferriss. Um, Tim ended up calling the class and is spending like a couple of hours with us. Wow. Dollar wise, that would be very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but we sent a request. I'm like, hey, I've got a class where we're learning about entrepreneurialism and, and getting ahead. A lot of my students are a big fan of 4-Hour Workweek. Would love if you could pop in. And it happened. Um, so I, you know, I think that was really cool. My favorite being, this is not name dropping. My favorite being a uh, Jeff Hoffman, who was a co-founder of priceline.com. Just a super good guy. My students listening to people like that and, and collaborating with people like that is just, it's so, sometimes I'm jealous. I'm like, <laughs> how cool this is. Um, yeah, but, but I'm grateful they do know like that they're in, they're grateful that these people were calling in. And the thing is, I think that's, especially with my podcast, but sort of relating that to what I've done here with the podcast is at first I was not, I was cautious on starting because I was like, who the hell would want to talk to me? And so I didn't know what to do and sort of reached out to a few people, no responses. But if you don't ask at all, you don't get, like you say, if you hadn't asked Ninja, he, he, the worst, what's the worst that can happen? They're not going to respond. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. she went, well, the hell with it and asked. And now look, I'm, you're my 27th episode and I'm loving every minute. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, so back to the problems with the education system. Yep. What do we need to do then? How can we get back on the right track? What I need mean, to change? Yeah, I, I hate to sound like there's a single bullet here, but like, I really do think a class like innovation and open source learning is a great start. It's not the be all end all, but it's a heck of a thing. Now, Mm -hmm. the hard thing is, is getting the culture shift 
because what happens if all of a sudden you give a high school kid a free period in a lot of cases, they ain't going to do anything like, like, because they still play the game of school. If I sit here and nod my head and you give me a good grade, then we're happy, right? No, I'm like interested in you getting to learn the things that you said that you should learn. Ah, but that requires effort. And again, going back to my previous statement of it, it, like people like to complain of, I don't like being told what to do, but it's easier. So if all of a sudden you have a class, you're like, hey man, it's up to you. You tell me what you need and I'll provide it. What do I need? What do I need? I need for, I need for you to give me an A. For what? So I get a good grade. For what? So I get to go to famous college. For what? I don't know. If you go to college, you immediately get a good job, right? Hmm. And that's where the narrative. So offering a class like this is a start, but it still takes time to shift the culture. Hmm. And, and ironically enough, the other magic bullet is there's this thing called, you know, the 20% time or genius hours called it, but like doing this at the elementary school level just fits, you know, the, the vast majority of your day are the things you have to learn on. And by the way, at the elementary level, those are all things you should learn, right? But 30 minutes on a Friday, you set aside 30 minutes, say, okay, what do you want to learn more? What do you want to learn? You want to learn how to do more Minecraft? You know, redstone command blocks you you want to learn how to and it's almost kind of a glorified show and tell because you send the kids the signal that school should be a place that you should go to learn the things you have to learn and there's a part of the day there's it's up to you on what you want to learn giving them that choice that young makes this seem logical all of a sudden giving them this choice at the high school level they just it's much tougher they really are in that compliance mode it's really hard to get over that hump and so this is another thing I heard on a different podcast as well, is the things that we're so hardwired from a young age to start a day at a specific time, end it at a specific yeah. time. Like school yeah. is nine until, well, here it's nine until half three, and then you get a job and then it's nine until five. Like you switch on at a certain point, you switch off for the rest. What about the other nine hours you want to sleep? 10 hours you're not asleep what are you going to do with those you're not just going to sit on your ass all the time are you You need to be doing something to try and progress your education which, well why do that's this? the biggest fight we have on our hands now isn't it because i know exactly what you're going to do for for the non-visual and this is a radio podcast i'm going through my phone and flipping through my social media feed hmm. that is the biggest i'm going to binge watch something on netflix i'm going to sh- i'm going to look up my my Instagram account and see if anybody liked my photo. And, 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 I, and, I, and, I'm, and I, I'm, I'm so tragic. Like, it is such a toxic stew. Oh, no. of like, I wish there was something out there for me. Meanwhile, I'm going to be depressed because I don't have abs like that. I'm not on that island. And I'm not that hotshot entrepreneur who's quote unquote crushing it. Like, yeah. it's all a facade bullshit. Like, and, and, and so our kids get on there and uh, I'll hustle and grind. Well, no, you're not. You're on the, you're on fucking, oh, sorry. You're, <laughs> edit. Go for it. You're, well, I mean, but you're, you're not hustling ground. You're fucking on Instagram. Like, mm. what are you going to do? That's what I'm interested in. And so this time suck. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't mind using social media as a platform or showcasing what you're going to do. But so many people get into that hover zone of just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling that they don't accomplish a thing. And I love that you've mentioned that because it's the main reason that I do this podcast. I've mentioned before we started, entrepreneurship is being glamorized by social media. 
we don't see the 16-hour workdays. We don't see the fact that these people have sacrificed relationships, sacrificed a social life, because all we're seeing now is their highlight reel. We're seeing to the point that they've, quote-unquote, made it. Yes. We haven't seen the come-up to that point. And True. that's what the people scrolling don't realize. Or even want to acknowledge it. Like, I, I, like by using the words hustle and grind, am I taking a shot at Gary? No and yes. No in the sense that he's been very upfront. He's like, you know what I did on YouTube for three years? Get no views hardly. Hmm. You know, he's pretty upfront. Like, it was a depressing, awful road. And then people started watching it. But people, only, people don't want to acknowledge that. So even though he even says, like, you know, there's a lot of BS entrepreneurs out there that put it on their Instagram, he's warning of people that. But what they still hear is, I want to be an entrepreneur. Meanwhile, there is a, I'm not going to name names, but there's some people there that are absolutely 100% full of shit. Matter of fact, have court cases against them that you can look up. Uh, I'm not mm, going to watch myself on this. I don't want a lawsuit. But, like, there's some people that are just absolute frauds absolute frauds but they make it look like it's easy and mm -hmm. so a lot of people try to do well first of the first mistake they make is they try to be that version 2.0 of that person which you shouldn't be you should be you and then they get depressed that like this seems so easy i bought the course <laughs> they had 10 easy steps on how to make a hundred thousand dollars and it didn't work what am i doing wrong you're not doing wrong you're following the advice of not all cases. And by the way, there's some people out there that have lovely courses. I'm not throwing everybody under the bus that has mm -hmm. a course. I'm being somewhat flippant here. But, you know, you're following somebody's footsteps that is either A, been done, or B, it's already tired and cliche. And you feel like you're wrong. Well, you're not. You're not being you. You didn't take the journey. And, and, I, and I, I get somewhat concerned because, Heck, even Gary is, is talking about this. Like, loneliness and depression go hand in hand with being the head honcho. <laughs> hmm. You know, when you're taking the risks and it's your vision, no one's going to work as hard as you. It's your vision. It's your risk. And so there's a lot of, there's a dark side to being the CEO. It's terrible. There's a dark side to being the, I'm going all in and I don't have a paycheck to back up on. It sucks. Yeah, so having... I, I, I welcome your, I welcome your, lifting the veil of isn't it so cool to know now is the risk worth it sometimes absolutely but man there's a dark side to this i mean like it's even the case if you've got employees these people are relying on you to pay their paycheck paycheck every month they've got may have family yes. them kids to feed and bills to pay and if you aren't making the money as the ceo as the founder of the company then you are letting down all of those people. They are going to come to you at the end of the day and go, hey, where's my money? And then you're going to be, have to be the ones to tell them, I don't have it. Or you could be the person that completely takes advantage of everybody and have them work for equity. Yeah. Um, no, I've seen that a lot. Mm. Right. And, and in some cases, it's prudent. But sometimes people are like, oh, there's so much hype. And like, well, I'll give you equity on down the road. And yeah, I've seen, yeah, I've seen that dark side too. Or the full, I'll only pay you commission sort of thing. So for these naive people that are literally, we'll call them the Instagram scrollers. What are your, let's go with two key bits of advice for these people. What do they need to know before they either start their journey or they may have started their journey already, but may not have encountered these problems as of yet. What are your two key bits of advice? 
immediately think of who else would be a team and bleeds for your mission. What is your just cause? Because finding people that believe, like it's rare, <laughs> like when <laughs> I'm a parent, so right? So you think that your child is the most beautiful gifted person in the world and no one else does. <laughs> Very similar with starting a business or starting a movement or starting a foundation is that if you build a team that they are, they don't just believe in what you do. They want to bleed for it. Find a team. Don't ever go alone. Don't ever, ever, ever go alone. Uh, yeah. And number two, um, ask yourself, uh, do I have a safety net? There's this feeling out there that all entrepreneurs are these massive risk takers. A lot of times people have a backup plan. <laughs> have a backup plan. Um, because if you don't, if you jump out of the plane without a parachute and you start freaking out on what can I do now, your, your vision is clouded. Have a plan and knowing what your backup plan is before you jump in. So I'd like to go in a bit more detail about the whole team aspect then. So when you started Start Ed Up, did you have people behind you already or did you have to actively reach out to find these people? No, that's one of my favorite stories. One of them was a, um, a former student. Um, matter of fact, uh, I had written a book and it did better than I thought. And so I started doing some speaking and doing some consultancy work. But with that came me flying in and out of airports, like during off school hours. So trying to, so like trying to leave school as fast as I could on Friday, do a weekend symposium, make it back. So I was flying back and forth. And at the same time, I was traveling a lot in my car. And so um, I had a small stroke. Uh, a TIA is, is basically a mini stroke. The good news about the mini stroke is there's no long-term effects, but it's like a warning that if you don't change your behaviors, a real stroke is going to happen. Mm. So um, my co-founder, Hunter, was concerned about my health. And he came up to me and says, hey, you've got a really 1990s business model. Why aren't you digitizing more? Why aren't you spreading out more things? And why are you going to one place at one time and getting on a plane? I could help you. <laughs> so that's, that was my first team member. It was a, a then or a now a former student. So he was just about ready to graduate. And so he helped us um, really launch. And then the same thing, another he wasn't a former student, but he was a local area guy who had made quite a name for himself in the marketing world. He never went to college. He was always self-taught. And he's like, I would have bleed, I, like I would have killed for this as a kid. I want, to, I want to be able to reach more students like me. And so that's how our original triumvirate started. They were either former students or they lived that persona of I was the creative entrepreneurial weird in high school and I want to help those kids. Um, you know, so I, I, I love that origin story because that proved my point. They believe in my journey just as much as I do. Even though my, my business card might read CEO, it is their mission as well. For sure. And that's the whole point. And when people talk about you can't complain when your employees aren't working as hard as you, well, no shit, because it's not their business. Why on earth would they want to work for that as hard as you? But you've found these people that do want to succeed as much as you do. And three is better than one. I mean, you get three times the work, three times everything, and it's all exponential, but it's incredible that you managed to find two people that really wanted it just as much as you did. Yeah. Yeah. Blessing for sure. And yeah, we're expanding from there. Um, but that was, those are, those are the, the origin of those three. And, and even like people that 
also, so being a nonprofit is kind of weird. It's good at times and it's bad in others because like some people just literally want volunteer hours and Hey man, if and I think that's like tugging on the heartstrings, if you were that kid in high school, that's who we're trying to reach. And quite honestly, like our foundation has more to do with mental health than it does entrepreneurialism. You know, we call it an entrepreneurial way of being right. If you were in charge, what would you do kind of thing? So, um, we had like once a month, we, we try to do these in our, our chapters, but we have reverse pitch competitions. A small local nonprofit comes in and gives us their problem. And then we get into teams of seven to 10 whiteboard a problem and then give them a pitch on, Hey, if I were the CEO, this is what I'd do. And that gets them into that entrepreneurial way of being. It's one thing to say, I think your politics suck and I'm going to get on Twitter and complain about it. An entrepreneur builds a plan on something they're going to do about it other than freaking complaining about shit. That's our big difference. We want you. And by the way, the happiest people I know provide value. They don't just get bothered by it and go to Twitter and say, everything sucks. No, (laughs) they have ideas. They build teams. They work with people. But I see far too many people just on toxic social media saying that everything sucks. We want to be the exact opposite of that. Exactly. You never see the Jeff Bezos ranting on Twitter about someone that something's gone wrong. <laughs> right. so, do you, so do you actually incentivize the kids to go and action the things they learn? Yeah. Like this is, well, like, this is why what we, and I'm not trying to like get sympathy here, but this is why it's so freaking hard what we do. We're wanting kids to be with one another because that's our mission to get them into that entrepreneurial way of being. You cannot do that just over the internet. You should get together, listen to some community problems, pitch some, some solutions because by being together, you're going to help yourself. You're going to be less depressed. Um, so incentivizing them is like, yeah, like in some cases, like at an event, we pay for pizza and Pepsi, right? But mm-hmm. we also, we also from time to time have just an open pitch competition. Like, Hey, we're going to give $500 tonight to some student that's got a decent business idea. Because we want to get them off, <laughs> off yeah. online and, and into being able to work with one another, collaborate with another. And, and it just, it feels good. For sure. And have there actually been any like student success stories with their businesses that they've gone on? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, from the events, yes. Uh, sometimes they're small business ideas. Like they're, they're running their own ad agency. They have their own lawn mowing business, things of this nature. Um, the cl- my class has a different track record of success, but per these events, and we're just kind of, we're just now kind of getting started. We're not even a year old, um, but yeah, I mean, small wins or or in some cases, like when they do the pitch for the small nonprofit, some of the nonprofits, like at minimum, they've got thirty sets of eyeballs on their nonprofit, and some kids are like, "Do you have some volunteer hours?" Like, just mm-hmm. that alone, like ironically enough, my middle daughter is. She went to one of our events, and so she's like, I really like what they do. It was like a traveling homeless shelter. And so my daughter now like, does some volunteer stuff for them. So like, those are my favorite things that come out of it. They didn't necessarily st- – and by the way, I don't expect 17, 18-year-olds to all of a sudden become Jeff Bezos this year. But by them coming to events like this, they start knowing some of the people. They start building their networking, um, and they start providing value uh, to others instead of just making it about them. So you mentioned you've got kids. Are you quite 
cautious with what route they're going down with school so are you sort of saying mm. watch what you take in university are you oh. like saying working all the finances out uh depending on what job they can get at the end of it how how are you doing it with your kids <laughs> yeah how am i doing this also with my wife so let me just go down oh let me just go down the succession of children my oldest is a freshman this year and she wasn't sure whether she even wanted to go to college because the what if our college doesn't have anybody that actually started a business um so my my wife was like you know what just you need to grow up and you need to, it's, it's okay to also go and have fun and to meet more people. Mm. So she ended up going to a college that had a good reputation for entrepreneurship. Ironically enough, Apple doesn't stray from the tree too much on child number one. Child number two has zero interest in entrepreneurship and I'm okay with that. Um, mm. Is she going to consider college? Probably, but it's probably, oh, <laughs> probably, Probably in education or maybe physical therapy. She's only a soft, she's in, she's 15. So she's got some time to think about it. The trouble one is my boy. I'm wondering if he's an earshot. Um, <laughs> school's not his thing. Like he gets good grades because he has to. His dad is a teacher. Um, but his interests don't lie in academia. So I don't know what that kid's going to do. I, I know that he's creative as heck. He's got great communication skills. Um, I, I, I dare say that he's probably the most cliche answer. If you ask any 10-year-old what they want to be, 90% of the kids are going to say YouTube stars. Right now, he would prefer to be either a streamer uh, on video games or YouTube. Um, is that a viable career option? For some. Um, but that's... <laughs> so what is my advice to him? Yeah. Uh, man, let's have a follow-up call in about five more years and I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll put it in, I'll put it in the diary. Has, is he streaming then? Is he, has he got a YouTube channel I, already? Yeah, he does. Yeah. And, and, and that's the funny thing. Like, cause right now it's simple things like, um, <laughs> this is really bizarre and out there. He, um, sometimes for background noise, I will just, the disclaimer, your audience is like, this is where it, the show went off the rails. <laughs> there are channels just dedicated to vacuum white noise. Because white noise helps you get things done. He saw that there's a huge population of people that like watch vacuums. He made an hour long vacuum YouTube. That's his number one video just for ambience and ASMR and focus and relaxation. And then he does this, like he's done other ones. Like at age 10, he's not quite yet into the video editing side. So he basically props up his uh, an old cell phone of ours that is still connected on our wireless and he'll upload videos of him playing a video game. And um, while it's not the best in the world, he's like getting into that memory, muscle memory of doing something, being engaged, um, understanding his branding yeah. and uploading a video. Yeah, so but with that, with that first one you mentioned, though, he it shows that he's able to spot a gap in the market and Absolutely. take action on it. I mean, I that's saying something for a 10-year-old. Even if you've ever listened to a podcast, I end every episode with opportunities are everywhere. We live by that. And, and, and like not being opportunistic, like being an asshole, but like there's opportunities, shitloads. And so even Grant was like, wow, people watch. That wouldn't be hard to make, Dad. Like, no, he goes, okay. 
can you get out one of your nicer cameras and help me on this one? I'm like, what do you want? He goes, just set up the tripod really close to the carpet. And people seem, he looked at the comments and people like, like would comment that they liked it when the vacuum went really like close to the microphone and then away. So you could hear like the, the distance. So he looked at all the comments. He was like, let's do a video. And so he did, uh, you know, does it have thousands of views? No, but like, I like the fact that he was looking for an opportunity. Exactly. And yeah, I'm kind and of proud of it. Yeah, as you should be, because there's no harm in it either. But now let's, so let's go a little bit more back on track. <laughs> where, where, so where do you think started up is going to be in five years time? Because I mean, revolutionizing the education system is not an easy task. There is a long way to go, but it's great that you are doing it. So, but where do you think your business is going to be in five years time? So ironically enough, uh, this is one of the reasons why I value uh, a podcast like this. It's going to grow organically. So one, being a, a, a tax deductible nonprofit, um, while I have some things out there that you could technically buy, it's going to grow by our chapters. So again, we have chapters that meet up once a month. And at first we were trying to reach just teachers that they would volunteer their Wednesday night once a month. Now we're starting to find a lot of parents that are concerned. So where do I see this? We, we have like a, what we call a spark, execute, develop. At the, at the spark level is these chapters that are growing. We have seven chapters right now and growing. In 2020, we, ex- we want to expand beyond our state and quite honestly, beyond our country. So I would love to have some chapters there in the UK. Um, that gets them to the, the, the develop level. We have quarterly hackathons or, or skills bootcamp. So a kid that's willing to volunteer two hours once a month is a lot of kids. A kid that's willing to sacrifice eight or nine hours at an event, less, but those are deeper dives. So we had one not too long ago uh, on um, financial literacy. And we had some hackathons on how to get more people of poverty to get off of payday loans in, into investing. And then at the top of the level is, is, um, is the execute. And so we're starting to offer... Um, we're going to be doing a, a summer accelerator. We're going to be bringing kids in from all over the United States and living in my city and then having a, a true accelerator for 18 and 19 year olds. So I say, I expect to see that grow each year. Um, but it, again, that first level, it's the chapters getting kids once a month to come together to solve problems. I see growing. We've already gotten requests from a, about another 10 cities outside of, of my state. And then, yeah, man, like somebody's going to listen to this hopefully and say, Hey, I want to start a chapter. Awesome. You know, mm. like uh, we've got a plan for it. We, we have every, much like a franchise, we have everything ready to go turnkey. And so, um, getting more students into that entrepreneurial way of being will eventually grow by coming together in person, not just online content. For sure. I know. I love that you consistently were use the word eventually like patience is the key when it comes to this it's the key when it comes to everything as we go back to those that course example earlier you buy the course and in two weeks you expect to be a millionaire it's not going to happen it's going to be it could be 5 10 15 20 years before you gain any sort of traction and that's another point people don't realize it's not easy and it's not quick some get lucky some do get lucky but 99.99999% 99.99999% of the time, it's not quick. 
well, I'm glad you brought that up because like quick can be, if you're in the, and there's nothing wrong with this, by the way, if you're in the business of a quick sale for anything, that's one thing. If you're in for a culture change, if you're into providing people value in their life, much longer road. So selling a widget, um, there are courses out there on how to drop ship and everything else. Awesome. Hmm. Good for you. But you're right. Wanting to provide a deeper value is a much, much longer journey. <laughs> yeah. And once you, I suppose once you, you're not going to stop until you succeed, which is brilliant. So thank you for talking about the education system because I know it's probably quite a tough, you speak about it enough, but on my podcast, I've had no one talk about the education system so far. So it I'm has been deeply passionate about it. It's yeah. always, it's, I've been, it's been extremely valuable, but I do have three more questions for you. And it's three questions that I ask at the end of every single episode to my guests. Awesome. And they're on three topics that I don't believe are discussed enough. So money, relationships, and death. Mm. Bit morbid to end the episode, but it is a it. question I like to ask so I get some interesting answers. So it. the first question doesn't die to put me personally doesn't directly relate to money, but for many starting out in entrepreneurship, the word success, we tend to determine someone's success by how much money they make. And I think that's the sort of instant factor that we relate the word success to. But what does the word success mean to you? Um, being happy. I mean, seriously, uh, having value in your life and, and being happy. Uh, I know a lot of people that make good money and they don't like their lives. And at the same time, I know some people that are, well, heck, I know a lot of teachers that don't make a lot of money and man, do they love their life. They're bringing value to others. They're happy. They have impact on others. For sure. And I, uh, that is something that I couldn't agree more with. Just happiness is something. And I think it's happiness for some is also a process as well. Like it's something that they're going to work on over an extended period of time it's not something that comes instantly to everyone so yeah. relates for sir full circle so next question with regards to relationships throughout your journey so far have you found it difficult to maintain relationships whether that be with your wife your family significant other your children that's probably a big one throughout your entrepreneurial journey so or have you found a way for them to experience your journey with you yeah i was gonna say i really haven't i, I mean um because i i, I have a just cause hmm. uh, my entrepreneurial journey is weird in the sense that my sale is making your life better and um this has been a bonding moment for my family they know what we're doing we're doing it as a family my relationships with other people this isn't, this is going to sound self-congratulatory, but like who doesn't want to have a relationship with a person that's trying to make lives better for kids? So I, and, but I would, I stand at a really unusual spot. I mean, that's not necessarily the case with a lot of CEOs. If, yeah. You know, if you're selling something with, that has a smaller audience, that's, that's where isolation, but like I, I'm in the business of helping people. So a little, a little easier. And that's, and that's, as you as you mentioned, it's not the case with all CEOs. And that's why I answer it. That's why I ask right. the question. Right. And 
I haven't had that answer before because no one's been in the same position as you. So, yeah. Well, on the flip side, I'm about to contradict myself. On the flip side, sometimes the, the, the loneliness of expectations and I, can't, I have to sit in my own pain, that's different. But to be able to have contacts and be able to have relationships with people, it's not been too difficult. What a, so what about the time when you were, so you were just, your book had done better than you thought and you were flying here, there and everywhere and you did have that small stroke. Was that a different sort of <sighs> feeling back uh, then? Guilty. Um, <laughs> yeah, that caused some bitterness with other educators. Mm. So I'll leave that one there. Yeah, I, like, look, I'm not going to lie. I would be annoyed. So <laughs> I got to teach. I got to invent this class that is so damn cool that there was a little bit of resentment on why does he get to do that? Well, because I wrote a book. Why does he get to go fly all over the world? Because I wrote a book. Well, that's, I mean, th- that wasn't most, that, for the record, that wasn't a lot of people, but that was some, and it bugged me. There, there was a little bit of resentment on some people's side, but the minority, for sure. And I think I th- this is something that really interests me as well. The fact that it's, you say, because you wrote a book, because I've spoken to multiple people that are authors and the fact that they've written a book has just opened so many opportunities for them, even though it just may be something that is just in their head. They know already they just consider themselves an expert in it. Well, having the book in it makes you the expert in it because people think, oh, he's yes. written a book on it. Right. He's therefore an expert. But having just just by having a book on a topic opens so many doors. Like before I started this book, I did not realize that how valuable having a book can actually be. So yeah, it was it you're hundred percent, hundred percent on it. And uh I you know, I, I wasn't an expert. I was just trying things that other people weren't. Yeah. Was, I was borderline more of a memoir than as anything. I tried this and this is what happened. So yeah. So and it was, I became an innovation expert. <laughs> it was a like, no, I just tried a bunch of shit that no one else was trying. And God forgive me if this all goes awry, but it worked out. And congratulations for that as well. I mean, <laughs> paid off. Um, so yeah. final question and apologies for the morbid end to the episode, but it's Love the it. most interesting question I ask. And it's, are you afraid of dying? No. I'm always afraid that I didn't live enough. Why is that? That's inevitable. Mm. I mean, that's, I mean, this may be the cliche answer, but like, no, everybody's going to, I'm completely okay with that, both in my faith and just reality. It's going to happen. But like squeezing the life out of each day, making sure that like, like seriously, if I die tomorrow, that's, I mean, okay, I'll be sad for my kids, but okay. I've let a, I've had a lot of fun in this life. So no, not at all. Not in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. <laughs> as simple as that. Like, I, I've got to work with some extraordinary students. I've got myself a wife that I do not deserve, but we've been together <laughs> since high school. I've got three happy, healthy children. It's been a damn good run. But if I have tomorrow, awesome. If I have another week, even better. If I have another 10 years, rock on. Yeah, I'm cool. It's like, it, it makes me laugh as well. My, one of the things recently is like me... It's, bit of a pointless story but it sort of relates and it makes me laugh every time and it's so me and my granddad have the same hairdresser and my granddad every time he goes into the hairdresser my hairdresser goes 
how you doing today? And he goes, well, I woke up this morning. And it's just that little line. It makes me die every time he says it. But I'm just thinking, brilliant. He's That's the perspective brain. of somebody that's lived for yeah. more than 30 years. But it's just brilliant. And it's a great, it's a great grateful. way. Of, grateful. Yeah. So <laughs> that rounds up everything I have for you today. I can't thank you enough for joining. But where can the listeners follow up with you? Plug everything. Sure. Um, I'm probably most active on LinkedIn um, because it's not as political and people are happier there. So catch me on LinkedIn at Don Wetrick. That's W-E-T-T-R-I-C-K. Twitter, I'm somewhat there. Uh, Again, Don, D-O-N, Wetrick, W-E-T-T-R-I-C-K. Innovate. uh, I'm sorry, the the regular um, foundation is uh, startedupfoundation.org. That's start. Uh, like it's like startup, but with, for education. So start ed up foundation.org. Um, you can go on Barnes and Noble or Amazon or, you know, where you buy books and look for my book, pure genius, creating a culture of innovation. Um, and then lastly, yeah, I, from time to time, I interview some interesting people myself. I have a podcast also called start ed up. Uh, although we may be rebranding this because Ooh. more and more people are not educators. My, my audience is, way growing on the entrepreneurial side. So we may be rebranding, but for the time being started up podcasts. And if it changes, I will change the description in the show notes, but there we are. All of those links will be in the show notes below. So listeners don't worry about remembering those Just simply scroll down and they'll be there. But once again, Don, thank you for joining me on this episode of CEO journals. It has been my pleasure and I'm going to throw it right back at you. Thank you for having a podcast that brings people value and perspective. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you. So that's going to wrap up today's episode of the podcast and I can't thank you all enough for listening. I aim to interview some of the most incredible business owners and entrepreneurs every single week. So you can really help me out by smashing that subscribe button and by leaving me a five-star review over in the iTunes store. It literally takes two seconds and will help me secure some of the greatest names in business as guests on the show. Make sure you tune into the next episode where I'm going to be talking to another incredibly interesting guest. I'll be discussing their journey and providing tips to all your aspiring and current business owners. Have a lovely rest of your day. And once again, thank you for tuning in to CEO Journals.